I'm the president of a digital creative agency with some of the biggest clients in the entertainment business. I'm a mom, a board member, a startup advisor, and an activist. I'm a musician, a writer, and a pretty good cook. I'm Katherine Schotthofer, president of MNC Saatchi Happenspot. Celebrating the work, lives, and achievements of women in Western North America, The Drum presents Exceptional Women Out West, hosted by The Drum North America Editor-at-Large, Doug Zanger. Let's go with three questions here, shall we? Let's do it. What does being fearless mean to you? I think being fearless is all about how you approach things. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's truly fearless. I think we all have things that scare us, but what separates those who appear fearless from those who do not is that those who appear fearless don't let the things that scare them get in the way of taking action that they believe in. Is the notion of being fearless, is that kind of like a false god? It's it's kind of, where I'm going with that is, it feels like we say it a lot, but in practice, do we see it enough? I think it's frequently misinterpreted. I think a lot of times people take qualities like arrogance and digest that as fearlessness, when in reality, the true fearlessness are not necessarily the people who are the loudest or the most brash about what they're doing, but the people who quietly stand up for what they believe in and continue to pursue it, whether or not the rest of the world supports them. Who are some people that you think are fearless? My (laughs) six-year-old. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. I I, I get that, yeah. My six-year-old will dance down the street. She will speak her mind, and she hasn't yet been affected by the world, and I hope that she never is, that tells her that she should not do those things. Um, Right. And she just lives her best life as a six-year-old every day. Who else? Maybe it's not a specific person, but maybe it's a group, an organization. You know, it's interesting. I had the opportunity at the end of last year to work with some of the refugees that were traveling from Syria, Afghanistan, and Iraq, and who had traveled, you know, on foot through four or five countries to ultimately get on a boat and try to cross over to the EU. And the thing that struck me with so many of them is that the fearlessness and the heroism that it takes to leave every single thing that you know behind in order to seek safety for your family. I mean, that's that's true fearlessness right there. Yeah, but there's also a lot of fear in that as well. But manifest in fearlessness, sort of an interesting dichotomy there. Yeah, I mean, fear in what is behind, but fearlessness in knowing that you can focus on a solution. And if that solution is that you get up and you go facing the unknown, knowing that whatever is ahead of you is better than what is behind. I mean, there's definitely fearlessness in that. What are you most intrigued by? I mean, it's a super cliche answer, but I think people... That's not not cliche. Okay, all right. I mean, um, I think that people are complicated. And, you know, especially those of us in media, we attempt to simplify them down to one facet or one form or one emotion or one way of being. And these complexities and intricacies of everyone's experiences and talents and ideas and the things that make them who they are. Just, you know, meeting new people, spending time with people, getting to know people, I mean, it, it keeps me going. We are a human industry. And despite the, and this will sound cliche, despite the technology we have today, I'm seeing and feeling that people are putting much more of a premium on the personal interaction. And it seems to be there's some fatigue. Instead of saying, email me, just pick up the phone and call. 
Are you seeing that as well? Well, I hate when people call me. I mean, they can text really? me. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, well, I mean, out of the blue. I mean, it's, if I texted yeah. you and be like, let's, you know, you're not, you're not averse to phone. No, I mean, I think what it is is technology is a great enabler of personal communication. We're able mm-hmm. to do it at a much greater scale than we used to be. Mm-hmm. I can have 25 ongoing conversations in a day because I have them through text or, right. you know, I am or things that are happening when I'm in meetings or doing other things, you know. Right. I mean, not that I don't always pay attention in meetings. Uh, but he, <laughs> I think that that we're always, as people, seeking to understand one another. And particularly in the areas that we work in, I mean, HeavenSpot works so much on entertainment properties, which is unlike a lot of traditional advertising. Very true. Um, in that, you know, we're really selling an emotion. And what we have to connect with is what is that question? What is the psychological need or that emotional need? What is the role that this film or television show or piece of music is playing in someone's life? And I mean, I think it requires not only an empathy for them, but a respect for the human experience. Who's somebody recently that you've met who's interesting? You know, I don't know that I can narrow it down to to one person. I meet a lot of people and I, I have the luxury of working in a lot of different spaces. I was in Atlanta recently. Um, there's a startup that I advise there and I was working with their team and you know it's it's fascinating to watch a startup that starts to quickly grow in the way that the dynamic changes as you go from having two people to five people to ten people and they recently brought in a new CTO and a lot of times CTOs have a tendency to be that guy right Um, (laughs) don't be that guy and I was really impressed with the way that this individual used humor and humanity to kind of connect with people and to be able to explain on the technical side a fairly difficult product, simplify it in a way that lets the entire organization understand what it is and be able to communicate that effectively. I mean, that's a really important role for someone to play inside an organization that's growing. And I was just really impressed with that. Very cool. If you could give yourself advice back on your first day of work ever, knowing what you know now, what would that advice be? And why would you give it? You know, I spent a lot of time in the early part of my career feeling like I didn't fit in with everyone else around me. Again, I would frequently find myself in these situations where I was the only person there who wasn't an Ivy League graduate, or I was the only person who wasn't this or wasn't that. I looked a little different than everybody else. I cannot count the number of times I was told to cut my hair or change what I was wearing. And I think the biggest piece of advice I would give to myself would be that it's okay to just be who you are and not to spend any time or energy on those people who want to make you something different. Ah, amen. We'll get to the must list here. What is a must read? You know, as long as we're on the topic of talking about people and what makes them tick, one of the books that has really intrigued me lately is Stephen Pinker's book, The Better Angels of Our Nature. It talks about the decline of violence over the course of humanity. Interesting. uh, Which is fascinating and and how we as people have evolved from, you know, thousands of years ago to now and just in terms of how we interact with one another and the shift in reliance on physical interaction to conversation. And obviously, you know, I'm not doing the book nearly the justice that it deserves. I mean, it's 800 pages, mm. but um, but it's it's a fascinating read, and I would definitely have it on my must-read list. Why would it be on the list? What would people take away from it? I think what you take away is that we're consistently evolving as a people, and that as our societies change, as our leaders change, as 
complicated geopolitical boundaries change and all of that, that, that it does impact who we are as people. And also that in part, there's a choice, you know, that there are things that are by nature human that might be a little bit more primal or a little bit more impulse driven. Mm-hmm. And that for a society to truly evolve, we get to a place where we make choices to behave in a way that is different. What is a must do? For me, a must do is going to sound corny, but learning how to cook. I think that learning how to take care of your body and how to nourish other people is something that's really important for us as people. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be complicated. But just learning how to put together the basics of a meal, I think, is a must-do for everybody. I grew up in an Italian family. so you get it? Yeah. I, I My learned. mom is French-Lebanese. And so like, I oh, can roll man. grape leaves like nobody's oh. business. <laughs> All right. So what, what's your go-to? Which, do you, everyone has a, mine's, mine's gnocchi or ravioli, homemade. What's your, what's your go-to? So one of my favorites is actually a Lebanese dish that you can't usually get in restaurants because it doesn't sit very well. It's called shishbarak. And you could actually sort of say it's like a Lebanese gnocchi. It's a dumpling that you simmer in this like mint garlic yogurt sauce. It's ridiculous. So um, every once in a while I will, I teach Lebanese cooking classes for my friends at my house, um, which is sort of like a y'all come down and learn how to do this. And that's one dish that I always make for them just as a fun thing for after. Oh, les délices libanaises. (laughs) Oh, that sounds so good. What is a must experience? If we're just talking about in the complete human experience, what you must do, I mean, I think love and allowing yourself to be open to loving other people in, in every form that that takes, right? It's loving friends, it's loving children, and being open to receiving that. I mean, that to me is the pinnacle of human experience. That's a bold statement. I mean, love is a very powerful, powerful thing. What about love is so important aside from the obvious because it's such an emotive thing, but it's such a, to your point of nourish, it's nourishment in a Mm way, the same way that you kind of look at food. Yeah. I mean, I think that until you allow yourself to be open to loving other people or feeling love from other people, you live life in a way that's more isolated and your experience is always your own and your views are always your own. But when you're open to something like that, it lets you experience the world through every single one of those people and their own experiences and their own views. And so um, that's why I think it's so important. What's a must learn? Basic travel phrases. <laughs> you're laughing, but it's true. It's true. It's I will so tell totally you. Um, I've had the good fortune to do a lot of travel and to still do quite a bit of travel and to meet people from a lot of other places. And I think being able to basically get yourself around in every major language from knowing how to get from the train station to your hotel to how do you order in a restaurant, that's a must learn. You got to get through the airport have to get through the airport. It's, there's there's airport French, and then there's the other French, as, as an example for me. Right. But then there's also all those places that don't have, like, icons and pictographs that you can sort of get oh. through, you know? And that's where you find the, the beauty in any place that you're traveling, right? It's someplace that's not designed for the tourists. That's where you want to get to. So um, you got to figure out how to get it's, yourself it's there. It's kind of funny, because I was in Spain once, and I was speaking a combination of English, French, and whatever Spanish I kind of knew. And somehow it worked. Mm-hmm. 
absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, I mentioned being overseas last year, and the volunteers that I was working with were from like 12 different countries. And there were people from Norway and Jerusalem and Spain and South America, and everybody spoke like handfuls of other things. And yet somehow we were all able to, it, it might be a chain of commands. Someone says this to this to this, and right. then ultimately, um, you know, you end up with a one solid piece of communication. But yeah, I mean, I think anytime you can get a chance to connect with other people in language is a great way to do it. What's a question you've never been asked that you would love someone to ask you and what would that answer be? It's funny because I think you already asked me that. Really? The fearless question. Yeah. What would the question be? Like, what are you afraid of? I didn't ask you what you were afraid of. Okay. What are you afraid of? (laughs) This one I need to think about. You don't strike me as somebody that is fearful of much. You know, there's not much that scares me. I think because I've had a lot thrown at me over the course of my life. And uh, and you realize that, like, you can get through all of it. Nothing, you know, that, that the things that people spend the most time worrying about are usually the things that become the most trivial. I think the thing that scares me most is complacency. And getting to a place where I feel like, okay, I'm good, you know, I don't know that I'll ever get there. I don't know that it's in my nature, but maybe that's what continues to drive me is, you know, a constant striving to try new things, do new things, be new things. Do you think there's too much complacency in what we do? I think so. I think that there's so much complacency in life these days. I mean, people have this very finite checklist of things that they're trying to get through. And, you know, Mm -hmm. once they've checked those five boxes and then there's kind of the everything else and what comes in life after that. And um, I think that the beauty in our experience is in what comes after that. And so if we can continue to focus, whether it's professionally or personally, on just always kind of being the best versions of ourselves, then, you know, that's how you win it, right? Here's where I compliment you. So when we do research, we obviously, you know, we find things out about people. And it is, it's, 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 (laughs) well, you know, you know, such is my life sometimes. But no, in all seriousness, we always, we get a lot of information about people. We do research, we look at, at things, but we always seem to find this one thread that seems to go through it. I want to ask you about the Global Gift Foundation because your philanthropy is... It, it's incredible. Tell us a little bit about the organization because you won an award recently from them and it's really impressive. Thank you. You know, it's funny because actually the idea of philanthropy awards makes me so uncomfortable. But when they approached me, it was this incredible honor. And a lot of it was focused around some of the work with the refugee efforts. It was an incredible opportunity to be able to share what was a very personal experience for me and working on some of these things with a larger group of people. And and there are frequently human stories within all of that that we don't always have the opportunity to tell. So for me, mm-hmm. the most wonderful thing about this award was having the opportunity to stand in front of a room of just incredibly smart and compassionate people and to be able to talk to them about my own experience there is like, you know, a vehicle into the much larger experience of all of the refugees and the people who we need to be paying attention to. Yeah, people I've talked to said, you know, she, she just she doesn't want the, the spotlight. I think it's great to be able to celebrate stuff like that because there's so, so much meaning into, into what you're doing. 
it's interesting because, you know, we work in, in this world where everything is about like, you know, shouting for attention. Right. And right. Like the, well, you've been in the entertainment business for a long yes, time. So, yeah. and you know, the ad business, same thing. Right. And I mean, and again, as a, as a former musician, I'm not uncomfortable with that aspect of it. I right. think it's more, if it's something that you're doing for performance or to share, that's one thing. Doing work to advocate for other people to me is not something that you do for performance. It's something that you do because you're living your value system and that I think is why I get a little bit awkward. And well, I think what's good is the well-deserved award. But what I like, I think, about your point of view on this is that I don't want to say you're matter of fact about it, but here, here's what I've done. Here was the result. We're talking about it. And you have this very wide view of the world, which is awesome. So you're, you're just kind of putting it out there. And it's really up for people to interpret, but also for them to take action on. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, if I'm able to inspire other people to do good things, and it doesn't have to be, you know, in another country. I mean, it can be in your own neighborhood, it can be anywhere. And again, philanthropy, even as a word, you know, I think it tends to be something that people look at and compartmentalize into one small piece of their life. But really, for all of us, we live our lives as the best version of ourselves when we live it in service to other people. Every show, we like to give our guests a chance to say whatever's on their mind for a couple minutes. So without further ado, the floor is yours. I think that the thing I would love to talk about is the concept of responsibility in our industry, particularly in regards to our responsibility to women. I think that we in this business have had a long history of saying yes to the easy route, right? When it comes to marketing both to women and using women for marketing. And the easy route is the one that objectifies and that simplifies and that reduces women to a body part or an object. And I love that there is currently a trend to feature empowered, different, beautiful women throughout all kinds of different campaigns, things that that I think are successful because they resonate with so many different people. And I think that we as a business continue to get stronger when we can embrace and celebrate that and that we have a responsibility to continue to impact some meaningful change in our society by the choices that we make in the materials that we put out in the way that we discuss one another. Much like the must list, I'd like you to share a little bit of advice, a little bit of wisdom, one little piece to wrap it up. What is your last word? I've talked a little bit about not oversimplifying people in a number of ways. And I think that my biggest piece of advice to everyone is to embrace all of the different parts of who you are. And I think it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I can sit in a room as the president of an agency and be like, yeah, P.S., I'm also a musician. I'm also this. I'm also that. Because I was told for so long that I had to be just one thing. And I think that you really come into your own when you realize that you are so many different things. And for every single person who can hear this, I mean, you are so many different things. And every piece of that contributes to make you better in every other part of it. That's what's so exciting about people and the opportunities that we have today. I mean, again, through things like technology, we have the opportunity to connect, to learn with so many different people. And it's wonderful when you can share all of those different parts of you and learn all those different parts of other people. This was awesome. This is great. I absolutely love what you're doing. I love your leadership, love your point of view, and absolutely love the fact that you're able to spend some time with us today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much.